everybody you know what time it is you know what time it is you know what time it is it's real vile time baby and it's your main man the g to the e to the r to the m the t stands for the but you already knew that and we're about to rip it up in a modern way so it's gotta be mr germ t ripper with my lovely and beautiful talented co-host the prime minister the sinister mr ruthless chris tell him what's happening mr ruthless chris Halloween time, goddammit, that's what's happening. Word, yeah. word indeed. And of course, we can't go anywhere without the Tower of the Hour, the Princess of Power, Miss Killer Kelly Miller. Hey, girls, hey. <laughs> hey, girl, hey, indeed. Can't, can't have an episode without at least one hey, girl, hey. Um, hey, uh, speaking of hey, girl, hey, uh, it's very exciting tonight. We're going to be focusing on 1988's classic Halloween movie, Night of the Demons. This is a lifelong favorite of mine and i'm excited to talk about it before we do what have you guys been up to in the past week well it would have been two weeks now at this point but i seen you i got to meet you in person that was a good time we did the whole chicago trip that was definitely a good fucking time it was back good to be back and hanging out with y'all uh since then it's been a lot of work uh getting ready to go to california in two days and it's my birthday <laughs> Birthday. As we're recording this, it is my birthday. I think when this comes out, it'll be Halloween, right? I think this comes out on Halloween, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, is Halloween on Tuesday or Monday? It's on Tuesday. Tuesday. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's day before Halloween. Yeah. So, so, technically, th so technically, this comes out, uh, the uh, the audio, a little behind the scenes, uh, the podcast comes out on a Monday. And usually it takes me a day for the video for YouTube because my internet sucks. So... I do those on Tuesday. So, yeah, so technically, Devil's Night and Halloween, this episode will come out. Woo! Yeah, but it's been a busy week, you know, as far as work and the whole wrestling thing with you guys and meeting Germ and getting ready for California and birthdays and uh, went and seen Dropkick Murphys the other day and just fucking, it's, it's been a thing. What are you guys went out to? <laughs> very, very, very cool. Mr. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, like she said, we had the uh, Chicago show. We all got to hang out. Uh, the show went very well. I was very happy with that. Was that show? Uh, that one was a that was a rough one. Uh, had to replace some people on the fly after the show had already started. So hopefully, everyone was happy with what I came up with. Uh, replacing Pagano last minute is not an easy task, uh, but I think I was able to pull someone at least that people were happy about. Um, Went with uh, Kelly to Dropkick Murphys. Uh, we went and did horror, tri horror trivia the other day, and we lost. Yeah, we lost at horror trivia. It's fucking what? <laughs> we got we got to the end. Well, now, first off, I will. Yeah, hold on. This. Yeah. There were some legit motherfuckers in this thing. It wasn't there was. like, you know, a random bar night. Like people and the questions were good, dude. They came out, and they're like, bootleg, like, scream gear. And, like, uh, like. The, the guy we lost, or the girl we lost to, we should have lost to her. But we were, like, neck and neck up to there. Like, we had mm -hmm. gotten to the finals. And the real problem was it was a speed round. And uh, speed yep. is my, they, only one of us could go and uh, represent the team. Yep. 
speed is not my jam. So uh, that's what the man knew the answers to the questions, but she was just. She was, she was, they got us to the speed round. We made it to the finals. And then when we set Chris up and neither of us are quick though, she was, you know, she rightfully so she beat us. Yeah. Ashamed to say, <laughs> but we lost. So yeah, we're doing movie night tonight, uh, later tonight. And that's about everything going on. Very cool. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the creatures of the night will crawl out of their basements and they will answer that trivia question like it's nobody's business. Um, and you can't, you, there's nothing you can do about it. But you guys did your best. Salute mm -hmm. to you. Um, carrying that flag, that real vile flag, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, in the, I, I haven't been doing too, too much. Uh, but I did go see Henry Rollins and David Sedaris uh, do a talking gig together, which was a lot of fun. Ken and I went to that. And then Sunday night, I went to a haunted house called Hell's Gate, uh, which was probably the best haunted house I've ever been to, where nice. you park and then a bus takes you to a forest. And it's, oh, cool. It, huh? That's cool. I'm it sorry. It starts I didn't... in the forest and there's zombies and there's chainsaw guys and there's like cabins and then you go into the actual uh hell's gate it's a gate that leads into the bowels of hell like there's a whole storyline and there's like characters it was really well done and uh luckily my twin sister ria she uh her and her husband had their wedding photos taken there their uh, engagement photos and so uh they knew the owner, of course, and the owner like came out, met us, and for the price of a general admission, we skipped the line entirely, like instant access. We went backstage and met the crew. Those of us who drank, not me, of course, but those of us who drank, took shots with the people working, um, and then we went through again. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. It was such a good night. Um, and then today I just got tattooed, uh, started my back piece, which is a circus clown with two pit bulls. And it's, oh, awesome. yeah. it's actually super adorable. I'm <laughs> very excited about this. Uh, but and here we it. are recording our finally, our final spooky, spooky season episode of Real Vile. And we got to get this train chugging along, baby. Choo choo. Uh, terror train pulling into the station. Ruthless Chris, what have you been watching? So I've got to narrow it down. I've watched a lot of movies. Uh, mm -hmm. Even with me being on the road, I was able to get a bunch in. Um, you know, the first one I'm going to talk about isn't a horror movie per se, but it's a documentary that that goes to the times. It is about uh, haunted houses. The one that is supposed to be the most extreme and notorious one. Uh, it's about McKamey Manor. Uh, it's called Monster Inside, America's Most Extreme Haunted House. Um, I very much enjoyed this because I I know a lot about what goes on behind the scenes in McKamey Manor, and it's pretty much just a torture dungeon oh, thing. Oh, I watched Not this. even real. Yeah. Like, it got this reputation as being this haunted house, but it's actually run by this really sick person that just likes to torture mm -hmm. people, and he uses, like, the law to manipulate it to where he can, and he gets is able to get away with it, and he's doing all this, like... At first, he did have a haunted house, and now he's literally, like, making people, like, crab walk in his front lawn with dog food across their laps and, like, covering their faces at, like, safety pins and needles and, like, waterboarding them and, like, trying to drown them and shit. Uh, it was a wild experience, but why? while I was watching this, there's also a 
famous YouTuber who's literally in the process of taking this guy down. So it was like a little twofold thing. I kind of got to watch it from both ends. So uh, uh, Reckless Ben on YouTube, if you want to check that shit out, uh, take it down McCamey Manor. But yeah, uh, I would recommend it. It's not a great documentary, but it's not bad. It's a lot of fun. It's good for the Halloween season. It's about the dark side of haunts and like kind of why people are like uh, more um, drawn to an extreme haunt or why they would want to put themselves through that situation and like what kind of person it takes. They kind of go into that. And uh, uh, they do also go on the light side of like like how extreme haunts can be done properly and in a fun and and still not harmful way, but it's still extreme, you know, and a very emotionally taxing thing. So yeah, it was it was a cool experience. That's the monster inside on Hulu. Yeah, I've been wanting to check that one out. How many stars would you give that baby? I'd give it three, three out of five. Three stars seems fair enough. Monster inside. Have you seen that one, Kelly? I I threw it on the other day, actually. I think I watched about half of it. I was kind of cleaning the house at the same time, and it was something like I throw on a lot of true crime as, like, background noise a lot. But, yeah, I remember there was a couple times I, like, stood in the living room and just stopped what I was doing. It was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And I was like, I'm going to have to watch this one later. But, yeah, the, I, I did catch quite a bit of it. it this, this was pretty good. This is something that I want to go back and give, like, more attention to. Sweet. I'll have to check that out. So I think it's on Hulu, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. Monster Inside, it's called, correct? Monster Inside, uh, behind America's Most Extreme Haunt is like the sub name. All right. Well, check that bad boy out on Hulu if you get a chance. In the meantime, Killer Kelly Miller, what you been watching, girlfriend? All right. This one that I'm going to talk about is one that Chris has been telling me to watch for fucking ever. And, uh, um he's actually talked about it on here but i think it was like a year ago and it does take, take place on halloween but holy fucking shit anything for jackson uh 2020 on shutter directed by justin dick he also uh reading about him he did um two creep show episodes on the new series that just came out a couple days ago on shutter i've been watching that too it's really fucking good I love creep show, but this fucking movie, um, right off the rip, like it starts out, you get these, this old, nice couple. They seem like an old, nice couple. And then within the first five minutes, they're dragging a pregnant bitch into their house. Like, you know, then you're like, what the shit? So since that like opening scene, it had my attention, you know, I, I like paused it and turned down all the lights and lit some candles. Like, all right, it's this kind of movie. Cause that's the kind of feel you got. And holy shit, it is that kind of movie. Um, Basically, without going too much in, into it, it's like a reverse exorcism situation where since she's pregnant, they're trying to use Satanism to um, uh, bring back the child that they lost, their grandson that was killed in a car accident. This movie... Oh, but they end up opening some doors to some shit, which brings some shit into the house. And that's like the most I can really say. But like um, The Sentinel is one of my favorite movies of all time. And this heavily reminded me of that in some ways, like the way the story is told, the way the, the ghosts keep coming back. It also kind of reminded me a little bit of like 13 ghosts just because of the ghost characters. This movie rocked, dude. Fucking rocked super hard. And I can't recommend it enough. 
Like, um, it's there's Satanist cults, uh, a lot of paranormal shit. You got the creepy old couple, some really good ghost scenes, and just like there's one scene with a wood chipper that, that made me fucking pop. I think that's the moment that I texted Chris and I was like, all right, this movie fucking rocks. And it's like the beginning of the second act, you know? I was like, oh shit, here we go, you know? And it just goes AWOL from there. And it ends great. Like, I, I can't recommend this movie enough. Chris, you were absolutely right. And I wish I would have watched this sooner. But uh, yeah, anything for Jackson on Shudder. No, when you were uh, first describing it, it sounded like something I'd seen, but I just checked my letterbox, and evidently I haven't. It sounds amazing, though. Watch so it. So I'll have to check it out. Um, I think Chris, it's a Shutter uh, original. Oh, it's, it's a Shutter a- original? I think, no. It's a Shutter exclusive, then. It's a Shutter something, That's but it. yeah. It's a Shutter exclusive, exclusive, but not original. Um, this one is in literally top five for me. Um, I've suggested this as episodes before. It's one of those things where I don't think the name grabs and the cover really isn't no it doesn't show you really how gnarly it's gonna get and i mean it's it's also really well made like it 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 almost like feels like ty west's house of the devil yeah yeah Yeah, i can i get that feel for sure and like the 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 filming of it like the 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 grit the grain like how like old school and kind of gnarly the storyline is and there's a lot of like like beyond ghosts is supernatural. Like there's, there's gnarly shit in this. Like yeah, dude, ghosts. It and- gets gory. It's actually legit creepy in some t- parts. You're like, oh shit. Like I said, the wood chipper scene. I was like, I popped. I did. I was at home. Like oh, I think I even said audibly loud. Like oh shit, by myself. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's one I've been really pushing on people a lot, and no one's really given it the time of day. But when people finally do, like Kelly did, uh, they're just like, "Holy shit, that was a fucking movie, man!" So yeah, I can't recommend enough. I give it four and a half stars, if not five. Yeah, um, four and a half, five all day, dude, all day, all day. Sorry, Chris. Very cool. Well, with those glowing reviews, I will have to check it out. And I think everybody else that has Shutter or a streaming service that offers anything for Jackson should definitely check that one out. In the meantime, I'm going to keep the train of chugging along, and I'm going to talk about a brand new movie that's also on Shutter, AMC Plus. Uh, it is 2023's The Puppet Man. Uh, this one was a a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I expected something. I don't know, something like Puppet Master, I guess, or maybe something along the lines of that uh, one kill in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 where um, Freddy is a puppeteer. I thought it was going to be a much more literal interpretation. Uh, what we got, though, was like a supernatural thriller almost about a serial killer who um, who brought... Uh, who okay so the puppet man is a convicted killer on death row always maintained his innocence and then evil force controlling his body as a slaughtered slaughtered his victims now michael the killer's daughter yeah that threw me off over and over that the daughter is named michael but uh, michael the killer's daughter begins to suspect that there were maybe some truth to her father's claim that those around her begin to die in brutal ways she must try to break the curse of the puppet man before all her loved ones are killed um yeah as this thing progressed it just uh there it, it get more brutal and it got more intense and i really liked how it unraveled 
And, um, you know, because at first it seems like pretty standard. There are some brutal kills. It's pretty smart, pretty well done. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I gave it four stars. Have either of you checked out the Puppet Man yet? I almost watched it last night. I watched that other new one that's on last night, the one that takes place in a gas station. I don't remember the name. I fell asleep to it, too, but it was good so far. But I'll probably talk about that on the next episode. <laughs> I have yeah. not. Uh, I've never even heard of it, honestly. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but it's uh, I know you both have Shudder, so definitely uh, give it a try. It's uh, it's better than uh, better than it looks and not the premise I expected. So I give it four stars. But uh, we're going to keep this train of chugging along. Mr. Chris, it's your turn again. Second round. Let's go down and see what you've been watching, baby. Uh, <laughs> so I got this in a pile of Vinegar Syndrome movies I had ordered. Uh, a while back and I had never gotten around to it and you know uh, Halloween's a lot of time where I hit my backlog of you know just like where I go full force and stuff I I always want to watch stuff I haven't seen before in October you know uh, and a lot of times I'll watch comfort movies or something but this is one I haven't seen before this is Italian Giallo uh, by Sergio Martino uh, this is The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward um you know, I expected your normal, you know, leather glove, straight razor, giallo, and that you definitely got that in this. Um, but this one has, and I, it's it's hard to even believe this, but it's a little more sleazy than most giallos. Like, I mean, this puts like New York Ripper to, to shame on how sleazy it gets. Like, no one, no one gets like toe fingered or anything, but like. <laughs> If, if people aren't dying, they're fucking in this thing. And it's usually, like, really depraved, like, semi-almost rapey sex, but still consensual, if that makes sense. Um, it's really dirty and pervy. Um, it's shot, like, all giallos super, super well. It has a really kick-ass soundtrack that's not by Goblin, uh, but it's it's really fun, synthy, and uh, the, the uh, Synapse DVD, or Blu-ray actually came with another disc that was a soundtrack, so I'm kind of pumped to be able to pop that in. Because it's like, it's pretty much just keyboards going haywire the entire time. Beautifully shot. Uh, the color palette in this thing is gorgeous. Uh, Tabasco Blood, though, that's my only complaint about it. It's like, Jallo's really good at using, like, almost that, like, paint-looking blood. And this is like, it looks like Tabasco sauce. It's really weird. Uh, but all in all, I really had a lot of fun with this one. Um, it's definitely not going to be for everyone. This is more for, like, the Giallo purists that, like, kind of want to see everything. Uh, this one is definitely above a lot of the ones I've seen, but like, just know you're going into like something super, super sleazy when you go into this thing. Like it's like I said, if, if people aren't getting sliced up with a razor, they're fucking, and it's not going to be like normal. Ooh, this is so hot sucks. It's going to be like really weird, but yeah, strange vice of Mrs. Ward, 1971 Sergio Martino. And I give that one four stars. Do you know if this one's uh, streaming anywhere, Chris? Uh, you know, I have it pulled up in my letterbox. It looks like uh, uh, you can stream it on Tubi. Uh, Tubi or not Tubi? Tubi, of course. Dude. <laughs> um, uh, Kelly, have you seen this? We talk about it, most likely be on Tubi. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think I have. Now, the name sounded super familiar. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. I, I think it's because they're... There might be another movie with a similar name. I'm not sure. And I thought that I had seen it, um, but I know that I, if I had, I would have seen it within the last few years and I don't have it logged into my letterbox. 
Um, yeah, I love Jello, so I think if uh, if I got time, I gotta check that one out because I do love it. Sleazy, 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 sleazy. Uh, you said four stars though. Four stars, yeah. Good, uh, good to know. Yeah, this this was definitely a kind of one of those hidden gems than Giallo that people don't really talk about. I'm glad I, I'm glad I ordered it. Sweet. Well, in the meantime, Miss Killer Kelly, what you got for us next, baby? Um, I went back on this uh, 1999 train back here to uh, visit a sequel to an old classic. We're talking Rage Carry Two. <laughs> Which I think I I think this was on HBO or Paramount, one of them. I don't I don't remember what I watched it on. Yeah, it's on HBO. But uh, the Rage Carry Two. It follows Rachel. Um, in the beginning, she's her. It shows her as a child. Her mom seems to have some sort of mental illness, or is it? that her mom is worried about some sort of powers that Rachel has. Well, anyway, some shit goes down and they take her mom away and she's, um, she's committed into a psych ward. Uh, Rachel goes to live with another family and years later, she's still kind of a troubled teen. Um, she goes to this high school. She has like one popular friend and her friend ends up killing herself. And that, you know, and then she, cause she's kind of like a target of the bullies. It's your same, same uh, go-to Carrie story, basically, except it's happening to a girl named Rachel. Um, you realize that she has some powers early, especially when they show the opening scenes as a child and when her friend kills herself. Like, you, you know there's some shit going on with Rachel. Well, um, Sue Snell, the only survivor from the Rachel movie, or um, from the, the original Carrie movie, the one who be befriended uh, Carrie in the original movie with, uh, what's her name? Oh, God. Sissy Spacek? Is it Sissy Spacek? Yep. With Sissy Spacek. And, uh, yeah, so it, it's the same actress. It's Amy Irving, which I thought was cool that they brought back the original actress. Now she's a teacher at this high school and she realizes right away, like, what the fuck this girl has because you know she dealt with it with carrie and she tries getting it in line but also she has a secret about rachel that connects her with carrie like you know dna related but um yeah i don't know man this was a pretty good one like i haven't seen it back since i was younger and all these like 1990s early 2000s movies are fucking holding up that's what i liked about this it did um it did fit the storyline like they didn't change shit it's like i said i haven't seen it since i was younger but i'd watch it again dude i give it a solid three and a half it's a good watch. It stars Mina Suvari, one of the girls from American Pie. <laughs> but that's one of the only recognizable people other than Amy Irving from the original Carrie. But very, yeah. Very cool. Uh, where is this streaming anywhere? Uh, Max. HBO Max, Max. Okay. Yeah. So three and a half. Carrie two. Yeah, Max. man. It's a fun one. It's got a good early or like late nineties new metal soundtrack if you're into that. Oh. But it it was very nostalgic though. It was just like, ah oh, shit, I remember this song. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Chris, have you seen um Carrie Two? Uh no. Uh a lot of times with these money grab I thought were money grab mm -hmm. um early two thousands, like dimension movies came out, I kind of would just skip them. 
Uh, but now I like kind of have gone down the rabbit hole of like going to revisit them because they age like eighties movies where you like you look Dude. back and like the cheesy style and the cheesy music and the bad special effects where you're still trying to figure out like CGI and shit. And that's what it is too, man. It's like the cheesy style, the cheesy music is like very of that time, you know, like very representative of like 1999, year 2000, you know, it's great. I don't know. Watch it. It's worth another watch. I promise. <laughs> yeah. I've thought about watching it a million times, uh, but I remember when it came out, I was of the same mind and opinion as uh, Chris was. That I was just like, "What? Why are you making a sequel to a movie like twenty years later?" But now, looking back, I was like, "You know what? I I actually enjoyed watching. Uh, I still know what you did last summer for the yeah. first time. Uh, <laughs> like that was a stupid movie, but it was totally fun. Um, and I could only expect like with a name like Carrie to the Rage. I was like, man." My nickname in high school was Rage, and I could only uh, imagine how much fun I I would actually have had watching this if I wasn't so like full of myself. I am a I'm a horror aficionado. I'm not gonna watch this. Do 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 do. Uh, so yeah, I'll have to go back and watch it on Max because that sounds like a fun time. Three and a half Max carry to yeah. the Rage. Yeah. Uh, but I'm gonna keep the terror train and try trucking along. <laughs> And I'm going to talk about a movie that I'm sure uh, one, if not both of you, have talked about before, but I'm going to talk about it again because it takes place around spooky season, Halloween time, and it came out this year. It is 2023's Scream 6. Um, this was actually better than I expected it to be. Uh, I'm sure most people have probably seen it. It's just basically the next installment. So, they're tr you know, the mirrors... The, the screen movies are very self, um, they, they, they realize what's going on. You know what I mean? Uh, and what's up? Self-referential. Yes. That was the words I was looking for. Thank you. Very self-referential, very meta. And of course this one is a sequel to the requel and they talk about it throughout the film, which I, I thought was decent. I, I like that idea. Um, and in this one, of course, they're in New York instead of in Woodsboro. And uh, it, it was, uh, yeah, a decent film. It was better than I thought. And just like they say in the film, the kills are bigger. Nothing, you can't expect anything and everything's unpredictable. Uh, yeah, I, I almost liked it as much as uh, Scream 2 when that originally, when I originally watched that because it mm -hmm. kind of gave you that fresh take. And uh, mostly, I loved this film because there was a character dressed up as the uh, Brown Knight from Murder Party. And I just thought that was a great nod from the filmmakers to an independent film that we covered on the last episode. So that was really cool, too. Uh, besides that, you know, this is streaming on Paramount Plus, and I gave it three and a half stars. Uh, I'm pretty sure both of you have seen this. Uh, you want to talk about it for a minute? I really yeah. enjoyed it, man. I mean, it holds up. Like, um, even with Nev Campbell not being in this one, it still did. Like, being the only one of the franchise that she's not in, I think it still did a great job of introducing the new characters and using the new characters. Also, like her legacy in the as a character in the new ones. Go on, Chris. Uh, Chris, yeah, your thoughts? I, I've actually watched this twice now. I enjoyed it much more the first time. <laughs> and with that being said it is a great movie but like 
knowing where it was going and then realizing that it was impossible for the characters who had ended up being uh uh ghostface in it that it was some of the scenes were impossible and that bugged me a little bit but i did really like uh that they did something really fresh and cool with the intro because i was like oh shit they're gonna tell us who this guy is off the fucking rip you know like this is this is gonna be completely different this is like something they've never done before and i thought that was really interesting um some of the characters are really interesting. I like that they they did like the little museum at the end of all the ghost face things. I thought CGI Skit Ulrich looked like shit. I don't know why they keep doing that. Like it doesn't really need to be in the story. I don't think it helps it in any shape or form. Mm-hmm. And I think it like for a movie that like really looks very well, it it's a bad special effect. And they keep you. This is two movies in a row with it. You know, like he doesn't look good. But oh no, it's it's a fun movie. Those screen movies are a lot of fun. There's only one in the series that I really don't like, and the rest I there's there's something about at least every single one of them besides that one that I do. So uh, I enjoy the Scream series. I like I'll, I'm still excited to see where they go from it. It was cool to see it outside of Woodsboro too. I'll give it that. Very very cool. Uh, one last round before we get to our main movie. Before we get to Night of the Demons, made in 1988. Let's go for round three. Fight, Chris. What you got for us, baby doll? Uh, so uh, I went back to Italy, but not for Giallo this time. I went for a cheap Jaws knockoff. Uh, what I watched was Killer Crocodile, 1989, by uh, Fabrizio Del Angelis. Um. I mean, for a Jaws knockoff, this is this is a fun one. This is kind of done right. You have a bunch of uh, very handsome or pretty uh, Italian folk on a rickshaw, or not a rickshaw, uh, like a like a cheap fishing boat going through a swamp, and there's a giant shitty looking crocodile eating the ever living dick out of everybody. Um, it's really fun. The, the crocodile looks like shit in the best possible way. Like, you can tell it's just a big rubber, like, dinghy that they're just, like, pulling through the water. There's a lot of good gore. Um, there's a lot of really ridiculous characters in this. Like, the the main crocodile hunter, who's, like, very much modeled after Indiana Jones. Because this came out in Indiana in 89. So, that's, like, when Indiana Jones was at the height of its popularity, too. So, they try to mesh Indiana Jones and Jaws together and make this one thing. And it's pretty hilarious. Uh, the knockoff Jaws soundtrack. Loved it. Um, the ham-fisted directing loved it. Uh, it. It actually looks really good, but I don't know if that's because it's a Severn Blu-ray or if uh, they actually shot it well. But it actually looks really good on the Blu-ray I watched. Um, apparently, you could watch it streaming on Vudu and Fright Night Plus. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, the, my Blu-ray came with a part two, which I'm really excited to uh, to dive into. Uh, apparently, that one's just as fun. So yeah, Killer Crocodile. I give this one three and a half. Um, turn your brain off, popcorn gore fest kind of thing. This is like a party movie, like a crowd pleaser background. You don't got to pay like too much attention to it kind of film. Yeah, I liked it. Killer Crocodile. Sweet. Sounds like a fun time. Uh, Kelly, have you seen Killer Crocodile? I have not. I have not. But it does sound like a fun time. If You, you know, every once in a while you need a good fucking creature movie. And this sounds like a, a fun time. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree. So check that out. You've got the voodoo, who do you do? Killer crocodile, three and a half stars for my main Chris. 
And Killer Kelly, what you got next for us, baby doll? Uh, the next one I watched, it's not a Halloween movie, I apologize, but I watched it and I was excited about it and I've been wanting to see it for a while. It's on Hulu and this is 2023's Infinity Pool, uh, written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg, starring Mia Goth and Alex Skarsgård. This movie, this movie was something else, dude. It was kind of like a mindfuck. You get this um, couple. They're in some sort of exotic island. I didn't exactly catch where they were, but they're in an exotic island. It's really beautiful. A little weird, like the people of this island are wearing these masks, and it's somewhere where like capital punishment's really big. Like they'll kill you if you do something fucked up, so you can't go outside of this resort. Well, this couple meets Mia Goth and her p- crew of people that they're with, and they, you know, they get in some fucked up crazy shit that night, and. Um, uh, an accident happens where like somebody dies because of like the man in this couple, Alex Skarsgård's character, and um, he is faced with the decision. He could pay a lot of money. He's going to be put to death for his crimes. Like he ends up getting caught because well, I'm not going to tell you why, but uh, he ends up getting caught, and um, hmm. so he can either pay or he can um. Get how do I say this without giving get like a copy made of himself where that person will pay for the crimes? Well then he obviously he pays a lot of money, he chooses that, and this whole thing spirals into a thing like where you know there almost are no rules now and it's just I, I can't go too far into it. But this this movie was great, and I love fucking Mia Goth's character, especially when she gets all crazy and they pull over the fucking car, and she's like screaming at it. You've seen it in the previews for this movie, if you've seen the previews, but I, I give this movie a four all day. Uh, without saying too much, it's very sci-fi. It is very sci-fi. It's um, kind of mind-fucky in a lot of ways, you know? Like I'd recommend it, though. I give it a four all fucking day. Chris, you'll tear this one apart, by the way. You tear movies apart. Definitely watch it. Uh, have you seen this one, Chris? Uh, I have not gotten around to it. I know this is one of those ones that I'm going to have to give like my full attention to uh, when I watch it, You know, uh, based on his previous works with uh, uh, Processor and um, Antiviral. Um, you know, him being a Cronenberger, there's a lot of that body horror he always pulls in. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, but I haven't had the time to devote to where I knew I would be able to like kind of be able to give it 1000% of my attention with the mm-hmm. phone down, you know, like going into show weeks and stuff. My phone is endlessly buzzing and all that, you know, and so I, it's it's on my list, but I haven't got to it yet. Watch it before the year's over because I know it'll be on your top 10 list. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. This is one of the few movies that I've seen in the, that I saw in the theater this year. And I'm glad that I did mm-hmm. uh, because it is, like you said, it's one of the ones you got to pay attention to. So I'm glad I didn't keep looking at my phone and like doing other things, not distracted theater. I was very focused mm-hmm. and uh, it's an excellent, excellent film. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Brandon Cronenberg follows in his father's footsteps mm-hmm. Uh, amazingly you know there's hypersexuality there's body horror there's subtext there is like plain out spelled out text and mia goth is a treasure and needs to be protected at all costs because everything she's done in the past year at least i don't know if she's done anything before um 
the the pearl and the x but everything she's done in the past year or two has been magnificent and i can't uh, i can't wait to watch maxine in 2024 yes um, but yeah <laughs> I, I i loved infinity pool i gave it a four and a half and if you haven't seen it yet it's streaming on hulu so check it out asap mm-hmm. but with that I've got one last movie to talk about before we talk about 1988's Night of the Demons. And the one last movie I'm going to talk about is one that I watched today that I was really happy that in the last scene of it, there is um, it is a scene about Halloween. Uh, but this movie is 1985, directed by Felipe Mora. It is Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. Ah! Uh, I had never seen this because my big thing is I like to watch 31 horror movies that I'd never seen uh, during Halloween, um, during October. That is a challenge to myself, and I can't believe I'd never seen this before. This is a weird, wild, wonderful movie. Because, uh, it's, it's once again, this is a hypersexual movie. There's lots of boobies, and uh, it, it, there's some great, there's some really cool gore. There's some... But it's hard to really explain too much beside that. But a man discovers that his sister was a werewolf and helps the investigator track down a gang of monsters through the United States and Eastern Europe. Now, this movie opens with like a monologue by Christopher Lee, which already that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but then having Christopher Lee as a werewolf hunter, they overlap a lot of the mythos for vampires. Uh, onto werewolves like they're from Transylvania and you can kill them with a stake through the heart and yeah it was just like no that's a vampire but it doesn't matter uh, I was going to say it has a cool soundtrack but it has a cool song that they play over and over and over uh, <laughs> I tried I tried uh, Shazamming it several times but Shazam was like no I'm not doing that for you <laughs> so I'm hoping that you know somebody will put out that single of the howling 2 song I think it's just called howling even because I did look it up um, but I'm not sure it is a fun song uh, and it's a fun movie it's very wild and very weird you know uh, st- besides uh, who is who is the main female uh, werewolf Sybil Danning yeah, Sybil Danning, queen of the B-movies from the early 80s, and she kills it. Like, she's wearing these wild costumes. I don't even... I, I could go on and on about how amazing this movie is because it's just, like, it's totally bonkers. It's totally off the rails. And, uh, yeah, it's not... Uh, like, the first Howling, it's kind of a murder mystery. The first Howling has, like, this complex sort of detective, giallo feel. And this one is none of that. It's just, here's a bunch of crap. Let's see what sticks. And if you enjoy it, cool. You're, you'd have to like weird, wild, wonderful, wacky, whimsical movies. All the W's. W-W-W-W. Uh, to enjoy <laughs> Howling 2. Uh, your sister is a werewolf. I think it, the there was a, another title that it goes by besides your sister is a werewolf. It's also known by Sturba, a werewolf bitch. <laughs> Which I, I think back in 1985, naming anything, uh, putting profanity in the title of something was very probably taboo. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I watched it on Prime, but it's also streaming on Pluto and Tubi, and I gave it three and a half stars. Uh, have you guys seen Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf? I did years ago. I vaguely remembered it as your, but I feel like, what's it on? What's it on? 
Uh, Pluto, Tubi, and Prime. Of course. Of yes. course. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen Howling 2, Your Sister's a Werewolf. Uh, fun fact, I have a fascination with all the Howling movies because the further so you get into them, the, the marsupial one. <laughs> the crazier they get. Um, my favorite being Halloween or uh, Howling 3, uh, the marsupials, which is made in Australia. Yeah. It gets really out there. Uh, there's a Howling sequel that's a musical about a biker gang of werewolves. I think that's part oh, five. We should um, cover that. But uh, yeah, the, the further you get in, the, the more bat shit they get. And it, this is like a, a good like launching point to that. Because like, you know, the first one is a very serious, well-made horror movie. Uh, mystery, you know, and uh, a lot going on to it. And then right off the rip on this thing, it's just like, fuck that tone. We're going to get real 80s. We're going to get real silly with this shit. And oh, here's Christopher Lee. You know, um, if you haven't seen part three, I highly suggest moving on to that next because holy shit balls is that one fucking wild. Uh, there's werewolves with kangaroo pouches and whatnot. Real strange stuff. Um, but yeah, I'd give it three. Cause I can't go higher than three because it is a bad movie, but it's a fun, bad movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, so check it out. Howling two, your sister is a werewolf, and uh, there there's a very cute scene at the end where uh, the couple that survives uh, answers the door to a trick or treater, and the trick or treater is a werewolf, but does not kill them. Um, so yeah, there's a Halloween reference, and I love that. You know, even if it's not the whole thing takes place at Halloween, it's got that one scene. Uh, but with saying that. Choo choo, we're pulling into Spoiler Town, baby. And we are going to be talking about 1988's, directed by Kevin Tenney's Night of the Demons. Holy guacamole. This is one of my favorite, all time favorite comfort films, especially a Halloween comfort film. If you're not familiar with this film, you are first are living under a rock and you need to just turn this off right now and go watch it because it's literally available on like every streaming platform AMC Plus, Freebie, Pluto, Screenbox, Shout TV, Tubi. So you've got no excuse not to watch 1988's Night of the Demons. And now for our feature presentation. But it's about 10 teenagers who party in an abandoned funeral parlor on Halloween night when an evil force awakens, demonic spirits to keep them from leaving, and turn the gathering into a living hell. Now, uh, I can't remember ever seeing a movie prior to this where it was so many tropes put into mm -hmm. one single film where it made it so much fun to watch from the beginning to the very end it's very unique unto itself um they've people have tried to copy it since but it's never it can't be reproduced you know there was a a, a, a remake of this even made uh what like 10 years ago it was 2009 uh, was there i didn't i i had no idea oh yeah it has your boy from terminator 2 in it uh looking oh real uh he, looked, he does not look good in it no, he did not. Uh, he did not look good in this at all. Uh, What's his name? He aged like bread. American History X. Uh, Edward Furlong. Edward, uh, Edward Furlong. Furlong is in the remake of this. And uh, I didn't care for it at all. But 
And I do love uh, Night of the Demons because it's such a unique, uh, it's a, a unique group of people too, because you, you know, uh, as a, a normal person, these people would never hang out with each other because there are nerds and goths mm-hmm. and like a whore mm-hmm. and jock and the bully. And a you had every guy. stereotype, you know, yeah. you had every high school stereotype, like I all in a group. Of course you did. Was. What was that? And then you had Stooge, whatever he was. Like yeah. that guy was a stereotype. He was just like the guy that's the ultimate version of that weird character they throw in every eighties uh, movie, where he's just like there to be obnoxious, and like every other word's like dumb bitch. He was even dressed as the pig at the Halloween party, like the perfect, like you know, the goof guy. That... <laughs> he had some yeah. sick, uh, multicolored steps going on, going on to his, uh, yeah. his um, fashion mullet too. You know, I I was a big I was uh, definitely a big fan of Stooge when I first watched this. I I still am. I think uh, if I if I were to meet uh, the actor who played Stooge, Hal Havens, uh, I would I would probably have to let him know that he's a good looking fella. Uh, but between his bleachers and his torn up uh, sweatshirt and his multicolored hair, I'm guessing that he was supposed to be a punk rock guy. And also on his boombox, there's a TSOL sticker, a yeah. Dead Kennedy sticker, and and um, a fear that. sticker. So, you know, even though the music that's jamming out of said boombox is actually the director's brother's band uh, and not actual any any actual band in real life, it's it's still a fun song that they play and that they, they dance to. Uh, but And that's another thing. The soundtrack to this is killer. So uh, having Kevin Tenney's brother do the synth driven soundtrack um and also play like a, a punk rock new wave rock and roll song from the mid 80s i thought it was a lot of fun you know but then besides just that uh it includes uh a song by peter murphy i know and if you're familiar with goth rock legends Bauhaus, that that's going to mean something to you um i i I remember I didn't know that, of course, when I watched it when I was 10 years old, but uh, I I love going back and revisiting this film every year since then. Uh, what do you guys think about like the soundtrack, the score, or, or uh, how do you feel about that? I thought it was great, dude. It fits it. it like it, it fit it so well, and it's very like iconic for an 80s movie. You know, it's exactly what you expect, really. You know, I, I, I would disagree. I don't think it is what you expect, because normally when you it's... Know? Kids about to dance in like a abandoned house party. You're it's right. Some music, it's some music that doesn't fit what that group of people would honestly be listening to. Like it's like whatever they could cheaply get the rights to. Like you know th- that that scenes in almost every movie. And normally it'd be like some sort of like '80s synth pop, but this felt like a little more aggressive and transgressive. Like these kids would have been listening to because it it is you know they do have the eclectic group of people, but. The majority of them are fringe people, you know. You got the goth girl, the punk rock guy, you know, the whore, the fucking, you know. Uh, so I, I do think that it fits the characters a little better. Um, one of the tropes I like that they spun uh, is in every single '80s horror movie, the black guy goes first, and he's the token black guy. He goes first. The second anything happens in this movie, remotely spooky, yeah. like there's a noise in their arm, he's like. Fuck this! I'm gone. He's <laughs> yeah, gone. yeah. Like I'm the fuck out of here. Everyone's trying to use reason. Like no, no, you're being paranoid. It's like nope, nope. I'm fucking gone. <laughs> makes it to the fucking end. That never happens in '80s fucking horror movies. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
I love that spin on the trope they did. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, th- this one, like, like, Spooky's walk so this could run, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is like a better Spooky's. I'll agree with that. But yeah, like you said, though, Chris, I think it was really amazing to break stereotypes and have Roger uh, survive this movie because I I honestly don't believe that uh, Night of the Demons gets enough credit to being the first movie that I remember having the uh, black character not only survive, but be the pretty much, yeah, the hero of the movie. He's the smartest one. I wouldn't call him a hero. Because when he was climbing the wall, he was kicking bitches down. Like, here, eat her. I'm getting away. So I wouldn't necessarily call him a hero, but they did break trope. Like, I can't think of a single other 80s movie where that where that character wouldn't have been the token black guy just to kill off to have ethnicity in the 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 cast, you know. And it was really cool that not only did they they break that, but he survived to the very end, you know. I would say that he was the hero just because, yeah, he was, you know, looking out for himself at first, but then he does jump back up on and reaches down and helps uh, Judy get over the wall. So, I mean, in a sense, he, he's a hero, He you know, but uh, yeah, so that that's a really smart thing about this film and a really cool thing about this film. Uh, other than that, I, I would have to say that, like, the gore and the makeup effects were pretty amazing, too. Like, and nobody will ever, who has ever seen this movie will ever forget the notorious lipstick scene. Yeah, the lipstick scene. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, because there's Suzanne, a.k.a. Linnea Quigley, mm-hmm. sitting in a bathroom, uh, possessed by a demon, and she starts drawing on her, first her face, I believe, and then her chest, and then her nipple eats the lipstick. And it's just like, what? An, um, I, I don't think I'd seen anything like that before either. You know, that one shot, and it looks so convincing. Like, obviously, it's a prosthetic torso. You know that so that they could jam the but even after they jammed the lipstick in, like the nipple like seals back up. You can't even see like a fucking scene. It's it crazy. Really fucking crazy how they did like how well it looked for a movie of this budget, you know, because some of the other effects, you know, like the demon teeth, stuff like that, do not look that good. But this is like I was convinced that was really her body until it ate the fucking lipstick. And then I was trying to figure out like how did it seal back up like that instantly without a cut or anything what the fuck well i don't know if you uh saw the uh behind the scenes on the dvd or blu-ray but it's interesting that when the special effects artist was talking about it they did it in one take and uh the way it seals up afterwards is that the whole thing was made out of gelatin so you know, uh-huh. there's like a very split second where gelatin will re- reseal itself, and I thought that was amazing and so smart. Like everything in this movie, that is, is smart. It was like yeah. pre pre CGI, so there, everything's practical, and I love that about this movie too. It's so much fun. One um, other thing I have to throw in there: Can we bring back opening title sequences like this with like the the cartoony? Like it, it's it's an experience onto itself that gets you pumped for the movie, and a lot of '80s movies used to do it, and you could tell it didn't cost a lot of money, but it was a whole lot of fun. In fact, the only movie I can recently think of that has done it was a movie I utterly hated. Uh, aside from that opening part, I'm trying to think of the name. It was the vampire movie we watched for Pride Month. Uh, uh, Is this so vamp. 
No, it was the one where there were the truckers and the one guy wrapped the Bible verses around. Uh, I was like, I forget what it was called, but it mm-hmm. had a really good intro like that. But aside from that, that movie sucked. But I would love to see movies like this have an intro like this again, where it's like just cheesy, fun, cartoony, you know, like this is what the tone's going to be. It's going to be light. It's going to be different. It's going to be still scary, but we're not taking ourselves too seriously. I, I, I want more intro packages like this. Trick or Treat kind of did it too. Yeah, speaking of which, me and Chris went and seen Trick or Treat at uh, fucking uh, Texas Chainsaw at the theater. I know, small side story, but that's all. No, that's uh, super fun. You know, those are two of my all time favorite movies. Uh, but getting back to the animated sequence in the beginning, uh, yeah, that is one of my favorite uh, opening sequences of any movie. And it's interesting that that was created by animators from Disney that were actually big fans of like the horror characters or the villains in, um, in the Disney movies. And so when it was like a friend of a friend was just like, Hey, in your downtime, could you just do this real quick? And they, they did it by hand. It's like stop motion animation. Yeah. So when they changed the title of the movie, cause originally this movie was supposed to be called Halloween party. Mm-hmm. And I guess um, what's his name who produced Halloween uh, threatened to sue Mustafa them. Akard. What's up? Mustafa Akkad. Yes. Yeah. Mustafa Akkad was going to sue them. And they're just like, fine, we'll change the title to Night of the Demons. Well, they had already finished this animated sequence. So they're like, well, what are we going to do? And instead of like reshooting the whole thing, they just made a small little sign that said Night of the Demons and stuck it over the Halloween party. Um, and I'm actually really glad it's not called Halloween Party because that would be so much more lame. Night yeah, of the Night Demons is a great title. It is. Much better title. Only, the only thing that, that that I don't like about it is it, it's it's so close to Night of the Demon, which is like one of my favorite like sleazy Sasquatch movies. But yeah. Because yeah. when I try to tell people about Night of the Demon, they think I'm talking about Night of the Demons. <laughs> like, no, Fair no, no. Sasquatch to rips a man's dick off. That's all you need to know. Watch it. Um, yeah, no, but I, I've been a fan of this film for such a long time. And I remember when Linnea Quigley first started doing like conventions and stuff. When I met her, there was two guys in front of me to meet her. And she, since there was nobody in line, she was taking all the time in the world and chatting with everybody. And, uh, when I got up there, you know, I'm, you know, I am a big homosexual, but, uh, I, I don't really come across that way in person. I don't think. And, uh, I was about to, I turned and I was about to leave and she's like, Hey germ, I've got a special, I've got a special autograph for you. And she takes out a small photo of the scene where she presses the lipstick into her titty and she signs that one just for me. And uh-huh. I was like, Oh, cool. <laughs> Thanks. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a weird convention. Cause there was another <laughs> scream queen that like literally ran to catch up with me and been like, Hey, you're not like the other guys here. You want to go back to my room? And I was like, thanks, but I gotta go. I was trying not to be mean <laughs> and not just be like, I'm a big fag. I can't go. I don't want to <laughs> have sex with you. Yeah, no, <laughs> I honestly would have preferred that that way. She didn't think it was her, you know? Yeah. Like, Oh, I can't pull these young bucks anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, that probably would have been a better solution, actually, looking back at that, because that was a while ago. Um, but, you know, I love Lania Quigley, and I mean, this was the first movie I'm standing out to me, at least, that I remember seeing her in, because I saw this real young. Um, I remember that when my parents would go to bingo, it was either Monday or Tuesday nights. Uh, my brother would rent horror movies for me to watch because I was too young to rent them on my own. He had rented this one. And uh, when they came home and I was sleepwalking and my mom tried to get me back into my room and I just kept telling her, no, the the girl in the miniskirt's going to get me. That's, good. that's fucking the good. girl in the miniskirt. It was so John a... fucked me up as a kid. I was afraid. What's that? It was Jaws that fucked me up as a kid. I was afraid of swimming in pools. No, man, it was it was the raft from uh, Creepshow 2 paired with the blob. I was so scared of, like, oil slicks and blob-type things, dude. <laughs> Don't even show her a globule. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> no, I, I was afraid of uh, the, the raft Creepshow one, too, but I think that mm -hmm. stemmed from Jaws. I think Jaws set me up to be scared of the water, and this is, oh, hey. That's my whole see? Now you're not safe in lakes, either. But I mean, it's so it's so funny, like how many what memories we have of different films, or even like I don't remember that because I was sleepwalking. But you know, and now I love this movie. I can't I can't get enough of it. I have to watch it at least every October. You know, and there's so many um, interesting facts about it because Kevin Tenney, the director, the only movie he had directed prior to this was Witchboard, which was a much more serious tone of a movie. Okay. So. To make a wacky movie like this it was not his forte. It was more of the writer's idea to make a crazy, and he actually toned down the wackiness of it. You know what I mean? Because it was supposed to begin with like uh, a priest um, offering the audience, like looking at the camera, offering the audience uh, an insurance policy or something like that. If they if they faint or something happens during this film, and I was like, oh man, there's like a great William oh, Castle cool. moment that they missed, uh, but. You know, and like Linnea Quigley had actually uh, passed up this role several times because she's like, I'm 26, I can't play a teenager anymore. And they kept bothering her and bothering her until she was like, Fine, I will do, I'll do the movie. And now she's like, It's one of the most fun movies she ever shot because, you know, all the, I think everybody in the movie was probably in their 20s and, uh, or not older. <laughs> and the, they were like a big family. And, you if know, they keep talking about that. There's some people in the, that were definitely in their 30s in that movie. <laughs> I think it's hilarious when movies do that. You know, like, this is a teenager. It's like, you are 35, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it's funny with uh, Kevin Tenney, you know, besides toning down the film and making it less wacky, he also was staunchly against the animated sequence that we all love. You know, he had to be talked into that by the writer and the producers. And, you know, finally he's like, fine, put it in. And then once it was in, they're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Never mind. <laughs> uh, and I also love that Amelia Kincaid, the girl, the actress that plays Angela, Prior to this, was known for uh, dance. So, like, she was a backup dancer in the Stray Cats videos. She was, like, a music video girl in the early 80s. And so, like, for the big goth dance scene in Night of the Demons, uh, she choreographed her own dance routine. And I thought that was a really cool fact. That is you really know, cool. Like, take advantage of your cast talents and let them do their thing. 
Uh, I love this movie so much from beginning to end. You know, it starts with a unique uh, animated sequence and ends with uh, people that you didn't think were going to live, live through the film. And then it has that very cool surprise where at the beginning you get an old guy getting picked on yeah. by uh stooge pretty much everybody all the kids pass by him at one point or another even judy like tries to help him and he's like get out of here uh he well he's like putting a dumb slut or some shit something like yeah. that something yeah. really mean and he's, he's really carrying a bag yeah He's carrying a bag with apples and razor blades. So, you know, if you were a kid in the 80s, you knew what that was about. He was mm -hmm. going to put those razor blades in the apples and give them out to kids. And by the end of the movie, his sweet old wife has made an apple pie out of those apple razor uh, apples with razor blades in them. And he's eating his breakfast, which is an apple pie. And, you know, his, his throat just gets torn up and there's blood spewing everywhere and there she is sipping her tea and just says happy halloween dear i'm like oh it's perfect it's perfect it's the perfect ending you know such a great movie such a yeah. fun movie from beginning to end you know um i i can't like this movie enough and uh you know uh what what kind of star rating would you give 1988's directed by Kevin Tunney, Night of the Demons, guys? Five. Yeah, I was going to say four and a half, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's your perfect Halloween movie if you're going for something 80s. Like, might as well give it a five. You know? There's only a handful of perfect Halloween movies, and this is one of them. There's zero fat. There's no scenes that need to yeah. get out. You know, like, every character's fun. The acting's bad, but it's bad in a fun way, the kind that you like in an 80s movie. The special effects are fun. Mm -hmm. It's got kind of something for everybody. You know, it's got a little bit of that Evil Dead going, but it's got it like its own thing going on. It's creepy house. It has like the cool, like all the doors disappeared shit going on. It's it's a really fun, cool movie. It's the kind of like you really just don't get anymore, you know? Yeah. And it's literally streaming everywhere. So if you're looking for a Halloween film and you haven't seen Night of the Demons, or in fact, if you have seen Night of the Demons, watch it again, because this is a great movie and deserves to be seen by everybody. Yeah, I give it five stars as well. I think I gave it four and a half on Letterboxd, but hey, on Real Vile, we're giving it five stars all the way around 1988's Night of the Demons. Uh, you guys have anything else to add about this film? Uh, you know, I realized today that there are two sequels, and I have not seen either of them, so that's actually something I'm going to make it a point to do. I heard the third one's not very good, but I heard the second one's a lot of fun, so I'm going to mm -hmm. make it a point to at least get to that second one, uh, hopefully before we record next, because I do kind of got Night of the Demons fever right now, you know, I had, I had a real good time with it. I used to have the part two on VHS, uh, I think my parents had gotten it for me, and uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of part two. But similarly, I never heard good things about Part 3, but I know that they're both available now currently from Shout Factory on like Blu-ray and 4K UHD, I think. I know that Night of the Demons is on 4K UHD, and you know, since they've released them, I'm sure it's probably streaming somewhere as well. So yeah, Night of the Demons 2 and 3, check those out as well. Uh, how about you, Kelly? comes with Part 2. So. What? How about me what? What do I give it? I already gave it a four and a half. Do you have anything else to add or no? Oh, no. Happy Halloween, everybody. You know, fuck when this episode comes out, it should be the day before Halloween or if you're watching it on YouTube on Halloween. So happy fucking Halloween. Chris, <laughs> any final words for the people at home? 
Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week uh, with a, a movie I'm really excited to talk about called Dark Harvest. Yeah. It just came out like a week ago. Uh, it is already being hailed as uh, a new uh, Halloween cult classic. Uh, so I'm really excited to delve into that. And Kelly may or may not be here. I'm going to try to at least pop in for the Dark Harvest conversation. But like I said, I'm going to California. I don't know how much watching I'll be able to do within the next week. So you may or may not see me. Fair enough. But Dark Harvest, stay tuned, Real Vile Kitties, ladies and lady killers, because it's going to be a wild one. But with that, I'm going to say happy Halloween as well. Keep it spooky, keep it creepy, and keep it real vile forever. God bless America. Send nudes. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs>